This is the Influencers Network Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries here in Bentonville, Arkansas. And uh, I have a special guest with me today, uh, Dave DePew, who is uh, a guy that I got to know a few years ago. He he, uh, ended up going through my journey group, and uh, I've got to watch Dave kind of got a front row seat to watch Dave go through the journey. And then Dave's gone on to lead lead a journey group last year. But uh, he has a very interesting story. about reconciliation and uh, just things that God does when guys go through the journey and he starts messing with them, I guess, in a good way. For sure. For sure. <laughs> so welcome, Dave. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. It's an honor. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so Dave, let's talk a little bit about, you know, who you are and, you know, where you came from. Uh, can't, we can't tell your whole life story, but just, just, yeah. just, just dive in wherever you want to yeah, dive in. How, how do you cram 51 years into a few minutes here. Yeah, it's exactly. kind of tar- kind of tough. Yeah, um, yeah. So I grew up in in South Central Kansas, and uh, kind of a rural community, kind of a conservative community. I was the youngest of four kids. Um, um, had two older brothers and a sister, and uh, um, so so growing up, you know, we were kind of sheltered from a lot of things. And um, on the outside, our family was pretty, um, you know seemingly pretty normal mm-hmm. on the inside um you know we kind of were raised as avoiders we just avoided a lot of things and um and today we're going to talk a little bit about my brother and a couple things um but there were some pretty deep wounds that that happened as a as a kid and then just as to uh, kind of walk through that and and find healing from some of that uh, later on in life and we'll i'm sure we'll get to that um but anyway, who I am, um, I um, have been married to my wife, Brenda, for 31 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have three grown kids, and uh, uh, they're kind of all around the country. I have one in, in Wisconsin, one in New Mexico, mm-hmm. and another one locally here. So we've launched and relaunched kids, and kind of so we're in the empty nest phase at this point. Uh, I went back to school later in life. Um, I went into to counseling, mm-hmm. and uh, so I've earned my master's degree in marriage and family therapy and clinical mental health counseling. Yeah. So, and you counseling. were kind of in the thick of all that. Absolutely. And you joined the journey group. So yeah. You needed yeah. one more thing to do, right? For sure. So that's For all sure. your studies yeah. and all that? Yeah. Exactly. I had a lot on my plate you when did. I went through it the you first did, time. You did, man. I saw it. Um, so uh, when you came, uh, when I uh, I think our pastor. At the, we were at the same church at the yeah. time, and yeah. our pastor recommended that we meet. Exactly. You were exactly. You were looking for some fellowship with other men. I think was the right. main thing, right? Right. Yeah. So we had just started attending this church, and um, you know, it was kind of in the summertime, and there wasn't a whole lot going on. And I talked to our pastor and just said, "Hey, I see the women are doing a lot of things in this church, but where's the men? Uh, what What's going on for them? I've been involved with different men's ministries over the years." And it was something, you know, I understand the value of it, the mm-hmm. value of community with other men. And uh, um, and, and I, I just didn't see it happening there. So that's kind of what spurred that conversation. And he got us hooked up, Brian, and, mm-hmm. and uh, we... It just kind of went from there. Yeah, you were you were an easy invite because you're like you had me at hello. <laughs> I was already yeah exactly exactly <laughs> come on in. Um, so 
Yeah, I do. I do always think about the journey and I feel like I feel like God starts shining a big bright light into a man's heart and he's, you know, and he starts showing them things. Now, whether or not they deal with it or want to share it with the group. Right. That's hit and miss. You know, some guys don't. Right. And that happened with you, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the journey came along at a really good time for me. Um, having, you know, being in the thick of the counseling program, um, it was, you know, in order to be an effective counselor, you have to work on your own stuff. Mm-hmm. And you have to be willing to go there. So I was already in that process of, of um, finding some healing and some really deep wounds at the time. And what the journey did for me is it really exposed um, more of those things, you know, especially on the spiritual side. I had I had really worked through a lot of the a lot of the the family type uh, family of origin type stuff, but um, the journey really exposed um, uh, some some really deep things. For example, um, I rode motorcycles all my life, right, and and. Um, it was during the journey, uh, the first time when I, I had a little little accident and uh, totaled my bike, and it was a a moment where um, I realized for the first time that 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 bike had become an idol for me. Mm. Uh, it was something that that um, you know I worshipped on that bike. I loved that bike. I did everything. You know, I I found community in that in that that circle. Um, but it really um, had become an idol. And I remember one night um, I was I had been this was right after this after this accident and, uh, and I didn't really get hurt on this one. Um, but I, I'd been at a Bible study that night and uh, I was driving home and I remember just just you know so my relationship with God a lot of times I'm just real and raw and and I just pour it out. And I remember, just crying out to God that night and saying, God, you know, it just feels like you're out to get me. It's like, this was the one thing that I felt like I really could connect with you on. And, and, and now it's gone. It just feels like you're out to get me. And God very clearly told me that night, very clearly. He said, you're right. I'm out to get you. He said, I want your heart. I want that piece that, that you, that you have given to that bike. That's what I want. That's mine. I'm a jealous God and that's, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to stop until you give it to me. Mm-hmm. And, and that night was a pivotal moment for me. And then again, it just so happened, quote unquote, um, that the next session of the journey was talking about idols. And it's like, really, I mean, this is not what I bargained for. <laughs> um, but, but again, it, it really exposed some of those things. So even a motorcycle can be an idol. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Who knew? And, and I like the part where, I mean, and, and again, I don't think the point is that motorcycle riding is bad or right. evil, right. but but for you or for whatever reason, God needed to work with you. Absolutely. That, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. For you know, sure. So, um, well, so talk a little bit about your brother and, yeah. and, and that situation, because that, I think that'll lead up to the next Absolutely. part of the story. Yep. So, so the story of between me and my brother is really, you alluded to it earlier, it's really a story of restoration, of, of reconciliation, a story of forgiveness. Um, it's a story of um, repentance. It's a story of what happens when two people are chasing after God and are willing to embrace the wounds that, that, that we had um, or have. And 
and understand that it's not going to get fixed overnight. Um, but every time that we invite Jesus into those wounds, um, there's a little more healing that comes. And uh, so, so the backstory, um, when, when we were kids growing up, um, like I said, we were, we were a family of, uh, I was the youngest and, um, and we typically just avoided everything. We'd fight hard. My brother and I fought like cats and dogs. Um, but when it was over, we'd all go to our corners and we'd just wait till everybody felt better and we'd move on. And we, there was no resolution to it. Uh, we'd never go back and, and address any of these things. So, so these little offenses just kept building over time and building and building. And probably one of the deepest wounds that, that happened, um, my, my parents owned their own business. And um, so they were gone every afternoon. And, and my brother and I would be home. Um, this was late grade school time frame. We'd come home from school and we'd be there, you know, we were old enough to take care of ourselves, but we'd be there um, for a couple hours every evening. Well, he was a lot bigger than I was and uh, um, just the nature of of kids and bullies, um, he'd knock me down and just beat the fire out of me every day. And I wore long sleeve shirts for two years to cover the bruises. Mm. If anyone ever found out, it just got worse. And 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 through that i developed a hatred in my heart for him um he would he would consistently call me names and just just um just lay it on and and i hated him i hated his guts um so so that's kind of the backstory. Mm-hmm. um you know there there's there's more that i could go into but th- that's not about that um um, and but, I remember you sharing some of this yeah. in, our, in our journey group. Right. And, it was and starting during, to come to the surface a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And during the journey group, it, it was really, that was really the first time where I was able to kind of put words to it. Um, and, and really, um, you know, we all have, we all have this narrative that we, that we, uh, um, that we have this internal dialogue that goes on. And there's always this, um, there, there's as twisted and weird as it may sound. There's there's a certain comfort that comes with with hanging on to these wounds. Um, mm-hmm. It's familiar, right? It's it's what we've known. It's not something necessarily that happened overnight. It was a long term thing. And and just to kind of bring it up to the point where where the reconciliation part happened, if I can, sure. Um, you know, this this was 20 years ago in that time frame. So we were both early 30s and um, both had young families. Um, so I had, had gone through this this childhood of just hating his guts. Uh, one, one other thing that that as he got a little bit older, one thing that really bothered me was was just his inconsistency. The fact that he would go out and party like a banshee on Saturday night and show up at church praising God on Sunday morning. There was something about that that never set right with me as as even a young kid, and um, and I'll circle back to that here after a little bit. But uh, um, he, so so there were certain things like that 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 just really bothered me. So fast forward, um, we have the young families. We're thirty years old, old enough to know better, and too young to care. Um, and my brother came to me one day and I can't remember the exact conversation or the exact day, but, but he came to me and, and just put it out there and said, listen, he said, I know that I was a jerk when we were kids. Um, and I know that I wounded you deeply 
and and he said for that I'm I'm deeply sorry. He said I I uh, um, I don't expect anything out of you, which was a big deal for me, by the way. Um, he said I don't expect you to forgive me. I don't expect anything. I just want you to know that I'm owning my part of it. And all of a sudden, you know, this this comfortable side of me that wanted to hang on to that, and, and I had for so many years, that was part of my story, part of my narrative. It was my brother's fault. I'm screwed up because of him, mm-hmm. right? And now I couldn't use that anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and it felt very vulnerable for me. Um, so... Um, and again, I didn't have language for all this at that time. I, I, it's only been recently that I've been able to kind of put words to it. But when he came to me with that repentant heart and just said, you know what? I own it. I own it. And, uh, um, and nothing is required of you. Man, what do you do with that? <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, it, it really threw me off. And over time, uh, we started talking a little bit more. And at one point, um, I went back to him and I offered him total forgiveness and just said, you know what? Um, I'm sure I was kind of a bratty kid, too, and I played a part as well. But but I forgive you and I release you from it. The interesting thing was um, for about the next year, um, every time we would talk, um, somehow in the conversation, this would come back up. You know, and and it's it's like he was was very remorseful about all of that, but he just kept addressing it. And and I finally one time about a year later, I just stopped him mid mid tracks and just said, "Listen," I said, "You know what? It's it's kind of like it's kind of like we have closets in our house." I use that analogy. It's like we have this closet in our house, you know, and we have a lawn chair that's sitting in our closet, but we have the rest of the house that that we would normally hang out in. But it seems like every time we talk, we go to this closet and we sit there and and there's, you know, who lives in their closet? It's it's, so I, I basically said, you know what, I totally release you from this. I forgive you. It's not anything that you know, it's in the past. Um, it's not that I want to avoid it. It's not that I want to, um, um, not, a, you know, not go there if we need to, but I just don't feel the need to, to live there all the time. And, <laughs> and I just totally release you from it. And, and after that, it's like it, this weight came off of both of us and, uh, was able to, um, to move on. You know, the funny thing about forgiveness is, is, in order for forgiveness to happen, that means that an offense took place, that there's something to forgive. Mm-hmm. And behind that, there's always pain and there's always uh, there's always something that um, that lingers. And and you can say you forgive one time and, and that's great. But forgiveness is a is a, a thing that that happens over and over and over. You Sometimes you have to choose to forgive. Sometimes you have to to just make a choice and say, you know what? I'm no longer going to either give you the power to have that control over me or I'm no longer going to um not no longer going to hold it. And that's kind of what happened for us. Mm. So uh at the time you went through the journey, you guys were pretty good. I mean, mm-hmm. you were in a pretty good place relationally and we all were. that. Um, it's something you didn't, Yeah, you, you were totally good. I mean, you yeah. were like, you'd forgiven him and all that. Right. Right. So, so again, that was 20 years ago. So fast forward for the next 16 years or so, um, we had, um, 
we had gotten really close. Um, he and I, um, you know, I, I would basically say to the level of pretty close to best friends. We talked a lot on the phone. We were back and forth texting all the time. He lived in Alabama, and uh, I lived in Kansas and then Arkansas. And uh, so we were, you know, there was distance, but uh, but we talked a lot. And about a year before, um, well, actually, it was about the time that I went through the journey the first time, um, he had come down with, with esophageal cancer. And um, so, you know, we talked off and on quite a bit, but it, you know, our relationship was good, but it got to the point where he couldn't talk anymore. He lost his voice. Um, over time, his they had removed most of his esophagus, uh, in fact, it, it eventually all of his esophagus, and about two-thirds of his stomach replaced his esophagus with a section of his colon, and uh, it's pretty rare surgery, but uh, in doing so, um, he his vocal cords became paralyzed, and he really lost his ability to talk. Mm. Um, so... Again, this was all this was all happening about the time um, that I went through the journey the first time. Um, so I was I was wrestling through some of that as well um, during that. Um, so to bring that up to to the most recent journey um, that that I helped co lead, um, I was was. Um, we were going to set this thing up as as kind of a, a hybrid type group where some of us would meet in the office and some of us would be joining in remotely on Zoom. And um, so we were putting this group together and my brother came to mind. It's like, you know what? It would be really cool if if Bob could be uh, part of this group. And uh, and I just chewed on it, prayed about it for a while, chewed on it. And finally, I asked him one time about it. He's like, oh, dude, I don't know. He said, I can't talk. I mean, how would I contribute? What? And, and I might also add, you know, he was a pastor and uh, was a chaplain in prison. Um, he had dedicated the last 13 years of his life um, to prison ministry. Mm-hmm. And uh, so solid dude. I mean, this guy, uh, one, one quick story, if I can, um, and then I'll come back to this. Um, he invited, I was down there um, in Alabama. And it was, had to have been in August, July, August time frame. And uh, he was uh, the chaplain at, at Holman Correctional Facility, which is a, a maximum security prison. Um, they, it's where they they uh, execute prisoners. Uh, it's where death row is. It, it's it's a it's a dark, nasty place. Mm-hmm. Um, had to have been a hundred degrees outside that day or more. And we were walking through the buildings, you know, and and one, for one of the first times in my life, I was the minority, right? Mm-hmm. And and it felt really vulnerable, very exposing. Um, and these dorms are metal buildings, and they're not air conditioned. Mm-hmm. It was 120 degrees in these things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just absolutely miserable. But the one thing that that was so cool about this is as as Bob and I were walking through that facility. Without fail, we'd walk into a building, and it was just like these guys would just continually just just a steady stream of guys coming up to my brother, and Bob would stop every time and he'd call them by name, he'd shake their hand, give them a hug, high five, whatever it was. Mm. He'd look them in the eye and just say, "How you doing? You know, how's life? What's mm. going on? How can I pray for you? That kind of thing." And and at times he'd stop and pray with these guys, right? Mm. And and. 
and I saw a different side of Bob. You know, contrast that Bob with what I described a minute ago mm-hmm. um, of, of this two-faced, this, you know, this party animal. Um, and for the first time in my life, I looked at my brother and I had tears in my eyes and I said, dude, you're the real deal. <laughs> this is this is crazy how God can transform someone's heart uh, to be the man that that uh, that he's calling you to be. And and that left a major impact on me. Um, so so to bring this back around, when when we get to, to journey group, I'm like, you know, at that by that time, Bob was was pretty sick, um, had lost his voice. We talked about it and he's like, you know, man, I don't know. I, he said, I, let me think on it. I said, well, tell you what, I'm going to send you a book. I'm going to send you the journey to the inner chamber and just read it. And I no expectations. I have no no. You know, if this isn't for you, that's fine. It's mm-hmm. no big deal. But I'm going to send you the book, and um, and you know, if you decide to go for it, great. If not, it's fine too. So I sent him the book, and about two weeks later, he texted me, said, "Okay, I'm in," <laughs> and I uh, said, "I ordered the journey back." So that was kind of the beginning of it, and uh, within a few weeks, you know, um, Bob would log on on Zoom, and and uh, we didn't say much. Came to introduction time, you know, first night or whatever, and and he he said a few things, few words. So he just, just talked real faintly, I guess. Yeah. He, so so most of us, the way our anatomy is designed, we we can hold a certain amount of air in our in our esophagus, so that when we speak, we can speak on our exhale, right? Yeah. And and the problem with 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 Bob's surgery and all that, he didn't have that capacity anymore. Okay. So when he tried to speak, it was either. You know, it, he had to force the, the words and his vocal cords were paralyzed. So he just it was a really hoarse, quiet, uh, almost a, a, a whisper. But and he was real con- self-confident about that. It, it really bothered him, you know. Yeah. He, and, and again, think of it this way. He was a pastor and he was a chaplain and wasn't able to do either one of those. So he was really struggling, really wrestling with purpose. And it's like, man. You know, this was my life, and, mm. and it's gone, and I don't know what to do with it. So mm. when he joined the group, um, the guys in our group just just loved on him. They rallied around him. And uh, one quick story. Uh, we were about two months into the, into the group, and his health had continued to decline, but he was still, you know, it, 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 they had given him all the radiation he could take physically, and... Uh, um, <laughs> Um, so one day he shows up at, at, on Zoom in the group, and, and we just kind of open with the pleasantries like we normally would. And Bob pipes up and says, hey, I got something to say. And it's like you could have heard a pin drop. The guys in the group were just sitting around going, whoa, okay, what do we got here? And Bob's struggling for words. And he said, two years ago, when uh, prior to my diagnosis, um, he said, I just absolutely loved praise and worship music. He said, I listened to praise and worship music all the time in the prison. I did it. Um, it was just part of my life. And I just resonated and connected with God in that way. And he said, um, when he received his diagnosis, it's like there was a switch that was flipped. And he said, I couldn't listen to it anymore. It was just like overnight, there was just nothing that appealed anymore. And I just mm. couldn't do it. So he'd been going through the journey for a couple months and he said, guys, he said, I got to tell you something. I've been given a gift. 
He said, that switch flipped again. He said, you know, we're talking here about abiding with Christ and, and these and these ideas that God knows, God cares, God's willing, God's able. And all that's based on the foundation, the bedrock of grace, right? And and then there's this link of faith that we've got to have that, that goes between that and, and what we do. And, and he said, you know, there's something that's very elementary about all of this. But he said, this is where it's at. And he said, for the first time in two years, man, I can't get enough of the praise and worship music. He said, I'm, <laughs> but I'm, I'm doing it through a new lens. Mm. And he had tears streaming down his face. And he said, guys, this is, this is where it's at. Mm. It's about abiding with Christ. And that's the piece that, um, you know, that I'm, that I'm taking away from this. So that was a really cool moment for oh, us, yeah. for our group, a very yeah. powerful moment. And, uh, um, um, so yeah, that, that was, that was pretty cool. So, so continue the story of kind yeah. of what happened with Bob. Yeah. So, um, so again, we started the group in August of 2019, uh, by late January, early February, um, he was getting really bad. Um, first part of February, um, they actually went ahead and decided to go ahead and, and move him to hospice. Um, he had gradually just become weaker and weaker to the point where um, uh, he, the really, the, really the last few weeks, he hadn't been able to join in um, on Zoom. Uh, and he'd been back and forth to Atlanta. And this guy would, he would log in, you know, when he could, he would log in from his hospital bed or, or from his hotel room in Atlanta where he was staying or whatever, you know, he's getting treatments, hooked up to IVs and stuff and just, you so know, committed. Wow. so committed. And, and, you know, the, the thing, the thing about it was, was it wasn't what he said. It was about how he lived and the, and, you know, what do they say? Eighty-five percent of of communication is is nonverbal, mm-hmm. and and he would show up and he'd have a smile on his face every time. There were times that he would, you know, he'd have his mic muted because he was coughing and mm-hmm. and carrying on, you know, because he had artificial stuff in his in his throat and all that, and very irritating to him. And uh, but yet he'd he'd log on with a smile. He'd always his word was blessed. Every time on Facebook, every day he'd put, "I'm blessed, mm. I'm blessed," mm. and and that was that was his mantra for the especially for the last for the last probably six eight months of his life, he was blessed, and uh, so interesting story. Um, February thirteenth, the day before Valentine's Day. Um, a lot of times, just as an aside, a lot of times um, I don't sleep too well and, and I'll wake up in the middle of the night and, and God will put somebody on my heart to pray for or whatever. And uh, this night, um, uh, February 13th of this year, um, I woke up and I rolled over, looked, noticed it was still dark outside and I rolled over and looked at my phone and it said 448. Didn't think much about it. Bob came to mind, so I started praying for Bob. And, and his family. And I was praying for, for, you know, by that time he was on hospice and, and was, was in pretty rough shape. And I was just asking God, you know, let your will be done. If that means that, that it's time for him to go, you know, um, let it be. If not, then, then give him some relief. And, uh, I rolled back over and went back to sleep. All right. Woke up a couple hours later, 
logged on Facebook, and his wife Polly had put a post on um, on Facebook and said that at four forty eight this morning, Bob went home to be with Jesus. Mm. And it was such a crazy thought to think that that at the moment God woke me up and asked me to pray for my brother, hmm. he was welcoming Bob into heaven. Yeah, you know what? A, what an amazing moment for me, <laughs> and and just an incredible gift. Um, and, and I I can only imagine that at four forty eight, my God summoned my mom and my sister who are already there to welcome him in. Mm. You know, and. Uh, um, and it impacted our group, you know, our the guys in our the men in our group. Um, we took a week off, and uh, and we, uh, um, you know, had to mourn had to mourn through Bob's through Bob's loss. And and real quickly, you know, I had decided early, very early on, when Bob was part of the group, that no matter what, I wanted him at our commencement, mm. right? And obviously, God had different plans, mm. um, but we get to. Um, uh, you know, been through the funeral, get to commencement in May. And uh, um, I had reached out and asked his wife to if she would record just a just a little a little video of what the journey meant to him. And she did and sent it back to me and, and his daughter did that also. And I put together a, a, a video that I just kind of a video package that uh, just as a way to bring Bob into that commencement and to honor him and to um, to uh, just have him part of it. And it really set the tone for the weekend. I asked the guys to, to write a letter to Polly and mm-hmm. to uh, um, just just kind of express what he meant to them and, and to the group. And uh, he did that. They did, they did that. We sent it all to her and uh, hmm. um, was very impactful. So, wow. That's kind of the story. Well, I, I love the story, and I just think, uh, just to think about how it came so full circle, yeah. you know, and even your brother coming to you, asking forgiveness, right. and then you right. bringing him on the journey, you know, and, and just that he Absolutely. got to spend his last months yeah. with you through Zoom, you know. Exactly. This is another, exactly. another not a commercial, but hey, the Zoom is, allows us a lot of new opportunities that we didn't have before. It works. But, it and, works. And allows you to reach into your family and people in your... Right. Because, you know, our first... Right. You know, sphere of influence is our family. You know, exactly. We need to do our ministry there first. So, exactly. Uh, and he was at a point where he couldn't get out. He couldn't. He wouldn't have been able to meet at a physical location anyway. Yeah. But this brought it into his living room or his hospital bed or his hotel room and uh, was able to to find the support that he needed, you know, in his last days. Yeah. Wow. You know, I just think... Uh, I've done a lot of journey groups and I just, there's a lot of little bonus things that happen. You know, it's about a man or a woman and their walk with God, but there's a lot of bonus things that happens in the group and, you know, just the things that he does amongst the people in a For group. Sure. And, and this is an example of that, you know, yeah. just, just special yeah. blessings like that. Just icing on the cake, you right. know, so. For sure. So we'll praise God for all that, and and that Bob's singing now. You know, he is. He, he's, his he's, voice isn't restrained now. He can sing. He's, he's crooning with his new digs. Yeah, he can sing sing some worship music now. So, well, thanks for sharing that, Dave. I, th- yeah. I know that's that's inspiring and uh, and just a kind of reminder that you know when we're 
thinking about who to invite into our journey groups, let's don't forget people right around us that, that, that we love the most, that, you know, and sometimes those are difficult situations. Right. Oh, I don't want to invite my brother because they, they know too much about me or, yeah. or we've got too much, too many, too much baggage, or I don't want to be too religious in front of them or, you know, whatever. Exactly. I hear all this stuff, yeah. but, uh, but when you go past all that, amazing things happen, you know, right. so for sure. that's cool. Well, great. Well, thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. Thanks for being my guest today. Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you for listening. And again, this is the Influencers Network podcast. And uh, we have a lot of other uh, broadcasts you can find on our website at influencers.org. And you go into resources and, and podcasts and you can find those there. But uh, uh, And if there's anything that uh, you'd like to request that we uh, discuss on one of our podcasts, you can always send us an email at podcastquestions at influencers.org. But anyway, I'm Brian Craig, Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries. And I'm encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples. God bless you today.